Welcome to episode 12 of the Plant Powered Radio podcast series. I'm your host, Janine Bancroft, grateful to be living and working on the unceded traditional lands of the Coast Salish peoples, and thanks too to Todd McHadden for the theme music. On today's show from New York City, Honey LeBronx. This interview took place on May 27th, 2020. Honey LeBronx stars in her own YouTube cooking series, The Vegan Drag Queen, and she hosts a podcast called Big Fat Vegan Radio. Um, she used to travel the world with her one-woman drag show pre-COVID, and in her first year fundraising in 2019, performed 55 shows in four countries in 46 cities for 2,300 people, raising over $27,000 for local LGBTQ and animal organizations along the way. Wow. Honey is committed to bringing discussions about animal rights, race, and pro-intersectional social justice to new audiences. And it has even been arrested in 2011, was one of eight activists arrested for blocking New York City traffic while demonstrating for marriage equality. When not a drag queen, Honey's Facebook page says that she's in a complicated relationship with Ben Strothman, who is an actor, singer, playwright, and theatrical producer, originally from Milwaukee. Theatrical photographer. Photographer. What did I say? Producer. Producer. That's next. Oh, that's there you go. You're so multifaceted. I just thought I'd add something. Now you're in New York City, honey. What is yeah. the current COVID situation there? Well, uh, well, first I should say I have since done, up until COVID, 111 shows oh. uh, in 73 cities in five countries, benefiting 148 different organizations. And to date, I have raised $44,041 for animal rights organizations and uh, LGBTQ organizations. It had been going so well, and then now this happened, but it's kind of giving me an opportunity to get creative and ask myself, like, is there another way I could go about it? Now I can start doing fundraiser shows for organizations everywhere, whether or not I'm able to actually make it there in person. So I am looking to start resuming those soon um, with whichever organizations want to contact me to do a fundraiser. If someone does want to contact me, you can find all my info at vegandragqueen.com. But if you go to vegandragqueen.com and click on tour, there's several surveys there that you can fill out. So if you're like, I want you to come to Alberta, you can fill out your information there. And that way I have a little Google map where I will see, oh, there's people in Alberta that want me and I'll know who to get in touch with. Um, or if you have an organization that you would like me to fundraise for, that's where you can submit your information so I know that you're interested. And while you're there, uh, click on mailing list and sign up for my mailing list so that when I have shows virtually or in your city, you will hear about them. Um, So the COVID thing in New York, um, it's it's scary to think about the numbers here. Um, I mean, my God, I remember hearing like, oh, a man in Westchester, which is just a bit above New York City, um, has the first case of COVID in New York State. And I remembered thinking like, it's just a matter of time. I mean, there are so many people in New York City and the traffic patterns alone. I mean, 
we are, you know, if, if um, you're in Vancouver, you're in Victoria, Vancouver. Victoria, I was so close. Same thing. Close, if, well, if close. Victoria is, I've never been to that part of Canada. I've only been to, um, it was a, uh, like Tor, Torrent, Toronto. Toronto, oh, is I've it Toronto? I've heard of that. Toronto, yeah, I think it's yeah. called. Mm -hmm. I've been to Toronto and then um, drove from there to Detroit. So um, I've only really seen that part. I, I, I want to tour Canada. I really, really do. Um, if, if Victoria is a gentle pond, New York City is like a rushing river. I mean, think about which one the food coloring is going to spread through faster. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's scary to think that was a weird analogy, but someone out there got it. It's weird to think, um, how prevalent the problem is here. And everyone knows someone who has been affected by COVID. For me, this is Alexa. How many days has it been since March 13th? March 13th, 2020 was 73 days ago. This is 73 days of sheltering in place in my apartment. So um, it's funny, while it's a, a big problem here, I'm not seeing it because I'm sitting around at home. And then if, instead of going to the gym, because they're all closed, I go running along the Hudson River, but I only go at night when there are no other human beings out. And maybe once every 10 or 12 days, I'll, I'll go to the grocery store. But even then... I'll go like 20, 30 minutes before they close. So there's no one there. So um, it's, 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 it, it, oh, and, and if I have errands to run, I'll try to do them all on one day in one small geographic area. So I'm managing to stay pretty well contained and I'm, I'm lucky enough that I live alone. So I, I feel like I'm not the right person to ask because I'm not like, yes, I'm in New York City, but I'm like very, very sheltered from it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and you mentioned that everybody's in New York is going to know someone who has, I know someone in New York who has it, and it happens to be a high school friend of mine that I hadn't talked to forever and happened to reach out when it happened. I thought, who do I know in New York City? And, and, and I, I reached out and sure enough, he was sick, home, home yeah. sick with it. So it's a it's a big scary thing and it's changing everything and including hopefully encouraging a lot of people to review their personal habits in terms of um, lifestyle and especially food and um, and that's where we connected was at an animal liberation conference you were a marvelous host and so I'm wondering is that like when you talk about all your fundraising it'd be wonderful to have you in Vancouver or Victoria or on the island here somewhere um, so when you talk about doing a show or a fundraiser what what is your show is it like a comedy stand-up or it's generally um, I mean it's interesting drag is very regional so how drag is done in new york is very different from how they do drag in oklahoma city very different from milwaukee so in new york a drag show is usually just one drag queen on stage for 60 to 90 minutes holding down the fort the whole time keeping the audience engaged whereas uh and some other cities a drag show will be like one drag queen. I'm, I'm going to say it in the way that I'm making fun of them because I don't find it entertaining. But it's like one drag queen will be the host, which means she's in the dressing room on a microphone like, 
Milwaukee, give it up. How are you feeling tonight? And it's like, I, I don't know who you think I'm connecting with. Your voice on a mic, what, what your voice on a microphone is telling me is that you have more, in places to, more important places to be right now than with your audience. And then it will just be like a parade of other performers coming out, doing one number, not interacting or talking with the audience, just performing their number. Then they go backstage and they change, change, change. I, I, I did uh, the, one of the, probably the first ever solo show I did as a fundraiser. It was in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And um, there was like 10 or 12 drag queens in the dressing room getting ready to do a show after mine. And I was out on stage. I thought it was 60 minutes. Turns out it was 90. I come backstage and they were like, were, were you hosting? Or, and I was like, I don't know what you're asking me. And they're like, well, were you in the show or were you hosting it? And I'm like, I just did a show. I don't know what you're at. And they're like, wait, wait, who else was on stage with you? I'm like, just me. Why? And they're like, well, how did you do your changes? And I'm like, what changes? They're like, well, your costume changes. And I'm like, what's wrong with what I'm wearing? <laughs> you know, so the idea is like, if you aren't constant, I'm like, listen, if I'm on stage and all you can focus on is like, huh, she's still wearing the same outfit. She started the show. I guess I must not be doing a good job of entertaining you. So um, at any rate, um, yes, the show, uh, that's my little rant on, um, on what I think makes a good drag show. Uh, my show is basically a 90 minute show, me on stage, just doing whatever I feel like doing in the moment. Some lip syncing, some live singing, um, and just bantering with the audience and uh, step touching and reinforcing stereotypes and just generally bringing shame to my hometown. At Honey LeBronx. And so are you out as a vegan when you're on stage? Oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, I generally pick a animal rights organization and a LGBTQ organization. You know, part of the idea for that is if I come to a small town and I pick two animal rights organizations to fundraise for, both of them are inviting the same people, like they're pulling from the same community. So we're only going to get a certain number of people. If I open this to a second cause, a second community, we potentially double the numbers. You know, if we only bring 20 people in and we're raising it for two animal rights orgs, we're still raising the same amount of money for the animals. If I bring in an LGBTQ organization and we bring in 40 total, we still raised the same amount for the animal rights org, plus we raised something for the LGBTQ organization. And I make more money that way because we had more people and the bar will have a better time and make more money. And that's how we're going to get invited back. Um, what was your question? And if did that answer? If you're out as a vegan on stage. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, listen, I, I put it this way. Vegans will have a very good time at my show, which people might find that hard to believe that vegans can ever have a good oh, time. We're so Because I know that we have to be like really super serious about everything all the time. And if you laugh at something, then that means you're being insensitive to all the awful in the world. Listen, if you're able to be that 100% angry and serious and engaged 24-7 your entire life, good for you. I am a complex whole individual, and I know that there are times where I'm like, I just need to laugh. Like, after 10 at night, I 
don't let myself look at politics. I just don't. Like after 10 at night, I usually want to watch the Young Turks or I want to watch something on YouTube and like, oh God, what did Trump do now? And I have to remind myself like, nope, it's 10 at night. If I watch that now, I'm going to get so angry and I'm going to get madder and madder. And then I'll be like all wound up at 3 a.m. writing angry emails. I'm like, no, after 10, I only let myself laugh. That's it. So, um, yeah, whatever we can laugh about, we can create distance from, you know, and whatever we can laugh about, we can talk about. So um, I, uh, I do take pride in my ability to make even the most gluten-free, lesbian-y, backyard, chickens-y, vegans. Well, you're not vegan if you have backyard chickens, but you know what I'm saying. Um, I will even make them laugh. Um, and that's not easy to do. So, um, but... If, if people are like, oh, I'm not vegan, I'm like, you especially come to my show because if you're not vegan, you're going to have a great time at my show. It's just, a dra- it's impossible to not have a fun time at a drag show, whether you're vegan or not. Absolutely. And you're building community as well by bringing these different groups of, of people together. It's always beautiful to see after a show, we'll be in the dressing room counting our money. I'm, you know, taking off the chapstick and watching, I'm thinking specifically uh, in Columbus, Ohio, it was the group Glisten, and I think Sunny Acres Sanctuary, I forget the exact name, but uh, a sanctuary. And just hearing the LGBTQ organization saying like, yeah, you know what, I only eat blah, 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 but you know, I'm definitely rethinking my, like they just automatically found themselves rethinking their relationship to animals just because of what we had been through. Um, and inviting the other organization out, like we should get together, we should partner up again. Hey, I know a great place where we can go for, and they have all these vegan options. Uh, it's, it's such a wonderful way to plant a seed with people who are already in the social justice movement and to get them to consider including all living beings in social justice. Right. And, and yeah, the, the word vegan is really, I, I remember when I was, I was vegetarian for 10 years and that was- No one's years. perfect. 30 years ago. Thank you. Well, I thought at the time that I was, I thought this is it. Look at me. I'm so great. I'm a social justice activist and I'm working for the environment and I'm a vegetarian. And then one day, finally, you know, I figured it out and realized that, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff going on that I should really have known about, but I managed to close myself off to. Yeah. And, um, so, so, um, Oh, sorry. I've lost my train of thought. I remember I I loved what you said. I've listened to a few of your radio shows and I love where you say, I'm just going to keep talking now because I think my thought will come back to me. I'm finding that if I forget (laughs) what I'm saying, I'm like, oh, what was I trying to say? And I just let it go. I'm like, I'm just going to continue talking about the next thing. It will always bring me right back. I'm sure if you do that right now, you'll remember what you're trying to say. So uh, yeah, so so vegetarian for um, ten years, and then and then uh, became vegan finally. I, all right, I got it. And uh, so you know, you mentioned about the backyard chickens, and it's interesting how I was speaking with um, Jonathan Balcom yes yesterday or on the weekend about um, his new book Superfly. He's now he's the guy who wrote uh, What a Fish Knows. 
you were all about uh, the fishes and yeah. um, the and the the inner lives of fishes and uh, there's complex social relationships and stuff such things. And now he's writing a book about insects and bugs and flies and all the things we don't know about them. And and you know I, I kept going referring to the vegan brain, like the the rewiring that happens. You know, at first I thought backyard chickens they're so cool and I can eat the eggs because there they are. And even though I'm vegan and yeah, eventually I, they, I, they lost all appeal to me. So I have to ask you then, honey, LeBronx, and I know you've had this question a million times, but mm -hmm. so you were, you were a drag queen first and then you came vegan. Is that why you have honey or? Well, I'm not point? entirely vegan yet. I am working on it. Um, I definitely gave up like red meat. Um, and I just think like, as long as I know where my food is coming from, and it's local. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh I'm my kidding. gosh. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. I love putting vegans through that. I use in my show sometimes when people are like, as long as I know where my food comes from, and I love going through the audience. It's like, ma'am, where are you from? You're from Detroit? It's okay. I knew where she came from. She came from Detroit. I mean, God, people will just justify anything. Um, no, I actually started doing drag um, when I was 30. And I became vegan one month later. Um, and as for my drag name, I see no problem with my name being Honey. How many bees do I need to kill to call myself Honey? Ab exactly zero. When people even make an issue out of my name being Honey, I'm like, you must have just signed every single change.org petition and led every single parade and built every home for the homeless because apparently you've taken every action and step that you have the free time to worry about BS that doesn't matter. Um, no, honey is a name. It's a name. It's a, I, I know women named honey and I picked my drag name 11 years before I ever did drag. And I'm sure that there's people out there. I was like, well, it's a drag name. You can change it. You don't get to tell me, that I that uh, whether my name is significant or not, like you don't get to tell me like oh it should be easy to change your name. Like I honestly, when 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 people take, I know that you're just asking, but when people like take issue with that, I'm like you are the wrong kind of vegan. Just like I just come, it it bothers me so much. Uh, thank you, and and I appreciate that. It's just I, you know, the B thing is is a contentious issue, and, oh, and I, heard, sure. I heard someone say the other day that um, that they had heard some vegans eat honey, and I thought, well, no, no, no. And also, fun fact: my name gives me so many opportunities to bring up the issue that honey is not vegan. I love telling people, I'm like, I am the only vegan honey you're ever gonna find. I mean, unless there's another drag queen named honey. Um, and people what are like, that? what do you mean? What do you mean honey's not vegan? And I'm like, think about it. Is it yours? Who, who are the bees making honey for? And like, that's, that's a, I don't even wanna say anything else about why honey is not vegan, because I shouldn't have to. Well, Honey yeah. is not mine any more than your diary belongs to me. It's like, no, that's yours. I don't get to touch it. Yeah, there's a perception that if the animal doesn't die, 
then it's okay. You know, the wool and it's a, it's a whole educational thing. So in your show, then somehow you're able to bring these non vegans and vegans together and somehow make fun of it and, but not insult people or do you care about that? I mean, I think, you know, I'll put it this way. I used to work when I lived in Milwaukee, I used to work at a, uh, 50s, 60s style theme restaurant called Ed DeBevick's where the servers are very rude to you. Like we don't play historical characters, but we all kind of make our own character that we play. And like, we're very catty and very rude. Like, what do you want? Sit anywhere. I don't care. You know, that kind of place. And there was one young woman. I say young woman because she was over the age of like 16 or 17. I'm making a concerted effort to stop saying girl when I'm talking about like a woman. I'll say young woman because whenever I say woman, I feel like we picture like 40 and up. Um, But you would never go to the bank like, you want to open an account? Yeah, talk to the boy behind the counter. You would be like, why? Oh, that's weird. Um, So anyway, this young lady who I worked with, she was just always in a sour mood and she would just come to work and just like, what? I don't know. I ask someone like, she would just actually be in a bad mood. And I wanted to tell her like, love, that does not translate. They are not like, oh, ha, 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 ha. I'm having a great time. Look, she's so funny. I'm like, you can tell when someone is trying to make sure you're having a good time or not. So I have a way about me to begin with, um, but even more so in drag, a way about me that I can say anything I want to anybody and they will allow me to say it because I, I've found a way to say it that is entertaining. It's funny, you know. Even if I've said something that's offensive, I'm saying it in a way that you're like, that is funny and I'm going to thank you for making me laugh. Um, and, you know, one thing I like to tell my audience at the beginning of the show is, you know, I'll find my vegans. I'm like, okay, so first of all, where are my vegans at? Make some noise if you're vegan, okay. And then I'll say, and now um, make some noise if just nothing matters (laughs) nothing okay um and i'll tell people i'm like listen 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 it's fine like like some people aren't vegan you know no one's perfect i used to do things i'm not proud of i once waited tables at a dave and busters in times square you know so we all have like our dark past but i will say to them i'm like listen as vegans we're very used to being made fun of like we can handle being made fun of it happens 365 days out of the year. So I'm like, non-vegans, can I ask you something? Would it be okay? I mean, and tell me if it's not. Would it be okay with you if just for one night we make meat eaters the butt of the joke? And they're always like, yeah, woo. I'm like, because if you can't handle that, then maybe eating meat doesn't make you that tough after all. So, but by me, I mean, I set it up that they know where we're going and they know that it all comes from a place of love. Right. And you're, you're very loving. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening to your Big Fat Vegan Radio um, podcast. Thank and you. yeah, and you have a whole series on the COVID situation, which yeah. I, I think must have been really comforting. You know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to live in a country with um, some form of universal health care. It's not a perfect system, but we we do have this understanding uh growing up that we're here for each other you know that's we pay into the system and we get from the system and not all equally and not all perfectly but it creates a a feeling of compassion and i 
and we have a this wonderful woman I just want to send a shout out to to Bonnie Henry Dr. Bonnie Henry she's a provincial health minister or health officer is her title and she's just this voice of calm and reason who comes on not so much anymore because we're we're over we're flat we've flattened our curve we're starting to reopen because of her and her wise you know just honest this is where we're at and this is what we're hoping for but this is what we have to do and i think the the the, her motto is be calm be kind and be safe or something like that and i thought about her when you were speaking with the doctor i forget her name and but it was similar information it was just like this is where we are today and this is what you know what's going on in our community so i think your your radio just that's just the reason i've just become a new listener i'll have to spend hours and hours listening to the other stuff and shout out to that was dr uh, priyamva the nike she is a pulmonologist in uh, atlanta with a background in epidemiology and she's just fast become one of my favorite people in the entire world and was she one of the doctors that you were speaking with earlier today no she actually put me in touch with a doctor uh, with a physician in um well he's currently in upstate new york and then it was two other nurses it was basically three men two nurses and a doctor uh, all who sort of specialize in dealing with gay men's sexual health because the, uh, and this wasn't really for my podcast so much. I'm going to use it for an episode. It was just more a, a Zoom call that was recorded because I want to create this as a resource and put it out there because I'm seeing so many gay men online and on the apps still hooking up with guys like, and they're like, oh, no, no, it's okay because I already had COVID and I have antibodies now. And I'm like, that's not how that works. We still don't know if having antibodies gives you immunity. If it does give you immunity, we don't know if everyone develops immunity. If you do develop immunity, we don't know for how long. Is it permanent? Does it fade over time? If you do have immunity, this virus still mutates. And in fact, it has just mutated to a far deadlier, more contagious form, which is now the dominant strain here in New York. So oh well, you got it and have antibodies. You don't have antibodies to this new version that's going around. And I just thought thumb typing this to hundreds of guys over days, it's just not the most effective way to get the word out. So um, I did this interview today just so I can kind of put this out there. And the next step of my plan is I want to uh, do some interviews with other people who have big platforms Um, other drag queens, other people who are notable people in the gay community to share this information and also tell them where they can go and find this video. Mm. You know, my friend who, who in New York City, uh, as soon as I found out that he had the symptoms and he was staying at home and I was like, you got to go to the hospital. And he said, he said, no, 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 I'm in New York City in the hospital. So this was at the peak time. And he's like, I'm just going to ride this out at home. And he had some poor support. He had people bringing him his food and, and that sort of thing. And he was self-isolating. And he, he healed, he, he was healthy and uh, he got over it. And um, then he went and got tested because he wanted to register himself as one of the survivors. Mm-hmm. And he had no antibodies, but he had all the symptoms. Like so. That may well be. These tests, you have to understand, and I'm sure it's different in different countries. We rushed these tests to market. 
um, these tests would normally go, uh, go through rigorous uh, testing and peer review and whatnot. These are raced tests. A lot of these tests produce false negatives and false positives. So um, the, the conclusion that I got from speaking with these um, medical professionals today is that the tests that we used already basically tell us nothing. So he, it sounds like he very well did have it, even though the test didn't confirm that. Hmm. It was probably the test, not him. Yeah, no, it sounded like he had it, but that, yeah, it sort of calls into question, what do we really know? Is the curve um, flattening there, or is there a, a light um, at the end of the tunnel? Is there a tunnel? I asked the uh, medical professionals that on our um, call today, and then I think it's still a little hard to say definitively whether it's flattened, but um, I think flattening the curve is really a matter of underwhelming the hospitals, like under overwhelming, like de-overwhelming the hospitals. Um, and they said, yes, we are at the point now that our hospitals are no longer slammed and we're having to choose who gets treatment and who doesn't. So I would consider that having flattened the curve, which means nothing because that curve can very easily go back up, especially mm -hmm. when there's this many cases here. So Anything that is in favor of people relaxing their safeguards, I'm so wary of. And um, yeah, there's definitely people out there not wearing masks. Uh, Dr. Priyam for the Nike, who we were talking about, she was on Facebook and she shared a picture. And it was like, one was a picture of the mask over the nose. And then the other one was a picture of like the penis over the underwear. He's like, it's the same thing. It's meant to contain you not for you to hang out over it. She's like, if this looks silly, this is just as silly. A friend of mine was telling me, a friend of mine that was hanging out with me before we all had to find out where we're gonna hunker down. We were talking about the quarantine and you know, the quarantine comes from the Italian word for 14. Quarantine, 14. Um, so, so it generally refers to a 14-day period. Also, I'm aware that we're misusing the term quarantine. I'm not truly quarantining because I will go out for a run, which, you know, at night, or I'll go to the grocery store every like 10 days or so. Every time I leave my front door, it resets the quarantine. But I'm not under quarantine because I'm not, I don't believe that I'm sick. Uh, I get it. You can be asymptomatic. Um, and I'm not currently like planning on merging households. Like my parents were asking if I would come home for a visit maybe next month or early July, which I was thinking about it. But after talking to these, to these um, medical professionals today, I do not think it's advisable just because I naturally assumed, oh, it'll be so nice to give my mom a hug again. And then I'm like, I'm flying in from New York? No. Like I wouldn't go near my, and I don't think that would be possible for us to, to, to not, and I, I don't think they would get that me being home means like we have to stay in opposite room. I don't, uh, but my friend who was saying, you know, that when they were recommending a quarantine, when they were recommending a two week stay at home order, he said, well, politically that's what they're suggesting, but he's like, scientists say if it's going to be effective, it has to be eight weeks. And I remember thinking like eight weeks, okay, well, that's going to be hard, but we can do it. 
But that's before I realized we will not cooperate. We Americans, U.S. Americans, I learned from going to Canada, like, you know, we're America too. And I'm like, right. So now I always say U.S. Americans, which makes me feel like Miss uh, South Carolina in the, I think some U.S. Americans, but um, we just, we're so selfish. We're such a selfish country. And cooperation is just not in our nature. Uh, the idea that my health, the idea that my chances of seeing my family again are contingent on society getting their act together and cooperating, it's, it's so infuriating. You know, what else is infuriating is, um, is that the virus came from the, the, the meat eaters, right? Yeah. That, you know, in a vegan world, we we would not be doing this. Apparently, there's billboards, I think, in LA or New York going up saying that there was never been a virus outbreak at a tofu factory or something like that. So, I mean, I, I have this mm. lingering anger. And, and, you know, already as vegans, we're upset at the pain and suffering that we know is happening every second of every day. And yet we, you know, we're supposed to present, we have to present as like these nice, friendly people because we can't express that anger because, yeah. because we're vegan. I, I did an episode on my podcast. I, I'm, I'm currently in the middle of, and I keep thinking it's going to be only five episodes and maybe, well, maybe six, well, maybe seven. I, I think by the time it's over, it's going to be about 10 or 11 uh, episodes long. But I've been doing a series on COVID um, as it pertains to veganism and, and, and sometimes not as it pertains to veganism. But I did an episode specifically on COVID and anti-Asian racism. And uh, someone suggested just calling it racism because that's what it is. And I'm like, no, while it is racism, we need to address that this is racism specific to Asian people right now. Um, and I'm like, I, I, I want to just repeat a talking point from that episode, you know, uh, I interviewed two uh, Asian women who are vegans, Sarah Woodcock in Minnesota and uh, Doris Lynn in New Jersey. I adore them both. And, um, you know, we were talking about things like Yulin, the dog meat festival, and, I, and they were talking about how that comes up. And I said, well, honestly, when people do mention that and bring that up, what do you say to that? And I, I remember thinking, well, I kind of struggle with that because at the end of the day, though, that is an awful thing. And and I kind of thought like, oh, I hope this isn't a difficult question to answer. It wasn't. She didn't miss a beat. She's like, listen, when we go outside Madison Square Garden and we protest the rodeo, does anyone ever say like, oh, why are white people so violent? Why are white people so hell bent on torturing? We never see race as an issue when it's something that white people are doing. We never see national origin as an issue when it's something that Americans are doing. I remember I was doing, um, we were protesting, there's a new Canada Goose um, flagship store that was opening in Soho. And because of animal rights activists basically getting into the store and then starting uh, protests, they now had a line outside and they were only allowing like a certain number of people in the store at a time. So we're here, like, and I'm just like, 
screaming at the people in line. And I'm saying, I have friends who like became afraid of me after they're like, oh God, don't wear fur around Honey LeBronx. Like she will throw red paint on you. And I'm like, mm-hmm, absolutely will. And if you don't like that, just don't wear fur. But um, people started commenting in the comments, like, why are they all Asian? Why are there so many Asians? And I'm like, I'm just like shutting that down. Cause I'm like, first of all, that's not what we're here for. We're not here saying like Asian people are bad. Like, that's not, that's not why we're here today. And secondly, I'm like, why are there so many Asian people buying coats at Canada Goose? Probably because I think what 60% of the world's population is Asian. Like they're an enormous continent. There are so many people from Asia, like from greater Asia. Like there's just a lot of them. That's why you're seeing so many. Like, like I know that when I first moved to New York, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is the number one most racially segregated city in the United States. There are over 19,600 cities in this country. I am from the most racially segregated city. Moving to New York and getting on the train, I remember looking around one day and I'm like, I am one of two white people on this crowded train. And I was delighted for once in my life to not just automatically be the majority. And I think we're just so used to we're the majority that it's jarring to a white person when you suddenly find yourself in a space. Like my, I live in the second largest residential building in New York City. This building is, I don't know if I would say it's predominantly Asian, but it's very noticeably Asian because we're not used to seeing so many non-white people of one specific origin in one place. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I felt it was worth doing an episode specifically on that topic just because we've seen a rise in hate crimes. Um, I, can't, I, can't even, I can't even talk about it. It's, it's so troubling to me. But I would love for people to check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I did listen to um, uh, a, a significant portion of that one. And so I sort of thought, well, you know what, where, where I would like us to get as a species is where we're just like we're humans, right? And the problem is, is speciesism, is that all humans, all, not all humans, but humans of, of every continent, of every color and culture, all there's always an element of thinking that animals are something that we can use and abuse and so really as a collective human group mm-hmm. we are all speciesist yeah yeah how do you know you're talking to a racist they say they're not racist that's how you know i will tell you here we are we are being recorded this is for a podcast i am we're going to show this to the world i will gladly say i am honey lebronx the vegan drag queen i am a racist boom I will say that I am sexist, I am racist, I am speciesist, I am transphobic, I am homophobic, I am all of these things. The day I forget that I am, like all of us were brought up in a racist world. There's just no one alive. Maybe the people that were on that island that the Christian missionary went to and whatever, Maybe there's rare exceptions, but even the exceptions prove the rule. 
every one of us was born and raised and socialized in a racist, sexist, transphobic world. It is impossible to escape being racist, sexist, and transphobic. But I remember one day, I remember thinking, this is such an aside, I apologize, but I remember one day I remembered thinking to myself, well, I can't be sexist, I'm gay. And <laughs> I find that so funny now, but at the time I was like, I can't be sexist. And I, I thank God. I don't know if it's God or if it's my mind. I just thank God this thought went through my head. As soon as I thought that, the next thought in my head was, what if I'm sexist and I don't know it? And that day, I went through my entire day, like, okay, if I'm sexist and I don't know it, then there's going to be a lot of things I don't notice. There's going to be a lot of, the, a lot of things that I, are normalized for me. There's going to be a lot of things I say and do and partake in. And I just went through my day hyper aware of sexism. And um, I'm a person in recovery. So I was at a 12-step meeting that is mostly men. And it's one where people all talk out of turn. You don't wait your turn. You don't raise your hand. You don't only get one chance to share. It's like being on The View. Um, and the men never really interrupt each other. It's sort of a cross-talk, back-and-forth conversation, which is not normal in 12-step. But at this day, there was one woman there. And finally, when she chose to say something, she's, you know, said, yeah, well, you know, I think that it's the blah, blah, blah. Immediately, a guy interrupts her. He's like, oh, you know why that is? That's because blah, 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 blah. She waits. She lets him finish. And she's like, yeah, well, when I say that, what I really mean to say is that blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, you know why that is? No, that's another guy interrupted her. She never opened her mouth again at that meeting. And I remember like seeing it and I was just like, like I was seeing that for the first time at probably what, 32. And I remember I went home and I was talking to my mom and my sister and I told them what I saw and they're like, sounds like a Monday. And <laughs> I was talking about my feelings about this and I was so upset. And then in the conversation, they're like, yeah, uh, um, you're kind of doing it to us in this conversation. I was like, oh my God, I can't get away from it. So the day I stop owning that I am those things is the day that I'm going to take part in them without, without taking responsibility for it. It's like we, we were born into this culture and it's like, it's like being in a swimming pool and thinking that you cannot get wet. Right. I mean, <laughs> we, we have all these that is so perfect. Uh, tendencies yeah. and um yeah the mansplaining thing is always enjoyable yeah mansplain so mansplaining is this thing where men will condescend to women and will explain I'm oh really is that no because i thought if i could just interrupt for a moment no you know what there's one <laughs> video that i really liked on your um on well i liked lots of them on your uh, vegan uh, cooking show. What's it called? Vegan Drag Queen. Vegan Drag Queen, yeah. I love it. Thank you. I love it. And I sent it to one of my um, bestest gay friends. We've been friends for like 30 years and he's pre-vegan still. And But I know he loves drag queens, so I'm hoping, you know. Um, we plant our seeds, right? But there was a, yes. I think it was on there where you went dumpster diving. Was yes, in Toronto. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so, and there, the whole dumpster was just full of 
incredible food. What a I was staying with someone in Toronto and she was talking about dumpster diving. And I remembered thinking like, listen, I'm vegan. I'm not one of those vegans. You know, like, yeah. And then she told ah. me, she was like, you know how we all say that animal agriculture is the number one cause of, um, you know, uh, climate change. She's like, nope, it's the second. The first is food waste. And I'm like, get out of here. And she said, food going into landfill can create so much methane and so destructive. But, and I remember someone was talking to me. I gave someone like a tour of my apartment and they noticed that I wasn't composting. And I'm like, no, but I put all my food scraps in the garbage. All the recycling goes here. Just the food scraps and garbage, garbage goes here. And she's like, right. And then it goes into landfill. I'm like, yes. And she's like, how do you think biodegrading works when oxygen can't get in there? And I was like, oh. And the idea of that much food just going into the ground. Like, where would that ever happen in nature? You know what else? I, I also think, like, everyone's baking bread right now, but I'm like, where in nature would we ever find bread? Like, is there anything more unnatural? How did we invent, anyway. But, um, so she, this was after a show one day, and on this tour, I brought a friend of mine because he wanted to do like a documentary of my tour still haven't edited any of that footage, but I have hours of it. And um, on the drive home, she's like, if you don't mind, I just want to stop here real quick. And I'm like, the store's closed. And she's like, uh-huh, we're going around back. And she's like, you don't have to come out with me. And I'm like, I'm in full drag. I have a video crew with me. I'm like, oh, we're going dumpster diving. And you know, when I hear dumpster diving, yes, it sounds disgusting to me until you see it an entire dumpster fills with peppers red orange yellow peppers sure i probably wouldn't want the ones on top that were touching the lid or the ones on the side or the ones on the bottom but you sweep aside a few layers and in the middle there's peppers that are only touching other peppers i did not realize how not unclean dumpster diving is and the idea that there's that much food why would i waste money on it and why would i allow that food to go into the dumpster oh my god it changed my life that day see and you can't really do that to my knowledge in new york because we don't have dumpsters really if you've been to manhattan there's no room for anything space is at such a premium when restaurants and grocery stores get rid of their garbage at night, they take it out the front door and they set it on the curb. So like garbage bags, sometimes like three or four feet high or like a, a certain number of meters high, just line the sidewalk. We don't even think about it because it's so normal to us because then overnight, the um, trash vehicles come by and they throw those in the vehicle and they collect them. But people, when they're like, you guys just put trash out on the street? And I'm like, yeah, like where else would you put? So there, you couldn't, I don't think you could really dumpster dive in mm. New York City because it doesn't go in a dumpster. It goes in a bag out in the street. Wow. All right. Well, there's so much going on and so much to get involved with. But right now I think we could wrap it um, here and send people over to 
your Big Fat Vegan Radio podcast, which is fabulous, and your YouTube, which is Vegan Drag Queen. Vegan Drag Queen, yeah. So people can check out um, my cooking show on you. Actually, if you go to vegandragqueen.com, basically the podcast is Big Fat Vegan Radio, just anywhere podcasts are found. We're not on Spotify yet, but... Um, but if you do go to vegandragween.com and just click on about, it will list all the different um, ways that you can connect with me. Um, if you scroll to the bottom of the page there, it'll give you a link to my Patreon. So if you find what I am doing valuable, um, you can always support my work for just a couple of months, couple of dollars a month, which I know doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but like every month when that chunk of change comes in, it's not a lot but it's always like, oh, here's my phone bill for the month. Um, There's a link to my Facebook page that you can like. You can send me a friend request. I'm making extra Facebook accounts now so I can accept everyone's friend requests. Um, You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at HoneyLeBronx. And you can also subscribe to me on YouTube. I'm also on Twitch and Periscope, all as uh, HoneyLeBronx. And, and you do you maintain all of that? Honey does all that work, and Ben, I guess. It's all just me. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. And listen, I have a, a raging case of ADHD. Like my ADHD is. Uh, if any, by by the way, if anyone out there is dealing with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and you have problems with executive function or starting a task or switching tasks once you're. You're working on this, but now because it's this time, you have to switch to this, but you can't. There is a YouTube channel I found called How to ADHD, and it is one of the most helpful resources I've ever found in dealing with my ADHD. The second most helpful resource, other than just various podcasts, someone on Facebook recommended it to me yesterday or two days ago. There's a website called focusmate.com. Is it mate or mates? I'm going to double check. Um, 80% of people with ADHD need the physical presence of another person in the room or they can't concentrate. So whenever someone comes over, as soon as you walk in my apartment, I immediately start picking up garbage. I immediately start putting things away. Not because I feel I should, because I have the energy to. And you can imagine what has been very difficult for me during this time is not having company. Focusmate, it's free. You get three free sessions a week, 50 minute sessions. Or if you want to pay five bucks a month, you get unlimited. Um, it's almost like chat roulette. I signed up, I scheduled the session. It automatically paired me with some random man somewhere else in the world. And I, I put my uh, screen, uh, screen shared my phone to my TV and I put my phone on a little tripod. So we both told each other what we were working on. I'm like, I need to tidy the living room. Um, and then he's like, okay, I need to finish one section of this paper I have to write. And we're like, all right, uh, do you mind if I mute? He's like, yeah, I'm going to mute the, mute the mic and then I'll check in with you in 45 minutes. The whole time I'm working on my living room, there's just some guy typing a paper on my TV. And then after 50 minutes, we checked in like, hey, did you get it done? He's like, yeah, I finished all of that. So it's just like, the the presence of a random person by video chat and you're only there to focus on getting something done. So if anyone has ADHD, I hope that resource is helpful for you because it's a lifesaver to me. 
I want to just really thank you for taking the time today and My um, pleasure. sharing all of this and for all the work that you're doing. I, I'll hope to see you again someday. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me on. My guest today was New York City drag queen Honey LeBronx. You can find more Plant Powered Radio by visiting us on YouTube and by subscribing to this podcast for regular updates. Please be safe and considerate towards all species. And thanks so much for listening.